More commentary out of Federal Reserve Chairman Jerome Powell. U.S. COVID-19 spread continues to push higher. A judge grants the FTC another shot at Facebook on antitrust grounds. We go over the biggest analyst calls of the day. CVS raises their 2021 forecast and Citadel receives investment from Sequoia and Paradigm. This is the Running With The Money briefing. Let's get into it. Welcome to another episode of the Running With The Money podcast, powered by Pounding The Table. This is, once again, another great day in the markets. Yesterday was pretty darn solid. Today, another strong day with the Dow Jones moving up 183, NASDAQ 210, and the S&P 500 up 42 at the close, going sector by sector. What led the way in my, oh my, energy once again outperforming today, up 3.25%, basic materials right behind it, up 1.75%, and consumer cyclicals up 1.68%, and we'll bring up the fourth best technology up 1.48%. Meanwhile, the only two lagging sectors in the market uh, actually were just two simple ones, consumer defensive and utilities. So not all too bad today. There was only one negative sector and that was utilities. Consumer defensive was pretty much flat up 0.02%. But either way, not a bad day whatsoever. Seeing a lot of bounces, especially in those growth names off of the bottom. So now getting into the biggest headlines of the day, we have to talk about what in the world we heard from Federal Reserve Chairman Jerome Powell today in front of the Senate Banking Committee. Now we heard a lot out of Jerome Powell and some of it eased the market a bit. So we're going to read through his commentary and really explain what he is talking about here. Now, he started off by basically saying that the economy and the labor market is pretty darn strong and that as inflation becomes more of an issue um, and the economy grows stronger, they are going to use their toolbox as needed and follow their plan. So here was his first few lines of commentary. As we move through this year, if things develop as expected, we'll be normalizing policy, meaning we're going to end our asset purchases in March, meaning we'll be raising rates over the course of the year. He goes on to say, at some point, perhaps later this year, we will start to allow balance sheet runoff, and that's just the road to normalization policy. So, in essence, what he is saying there is that, look, if everything goes to plan and the labor market continues to grow better and the economy continues to grow stronger, we are going to continue to follow the plan that we laid out in the previous meeting with those rate hikes and ending those asset purchases in March and potentially some balance sheet runoff. Now, he did note that they will go further if inflation persists even after they take some action. So he goes on to say, if we see inflation persisting at high levels, levels longer than expected, then we have to raise interest rates more over time. We will. We will use our tools to get inflation back. So in essence, what he's saying there is, look, if we go through our plan and inflation is still persistent and still an issue, we'll raise more. We will use our toolbox to fight inflation. And that at first did indeed spook the market a bit. You know, the market did open and move to the downside this morning, but then we got some comments where it almost seemed as if he was walking some things back. So going into uh, this normalization uh, vocabulary here, and when he was asked about this rising inflation and inflation now, and it's definitely something to talk about given that we're getting a CPI read tomorrow at 8.30 a.m. actually, so put that on your calendar. But he went on to say in reference to the rising inflation directly, what that is really telling us is that the economy no longer needs 
or wants the very high accommodative policies that we've had in place to deal with the pandemic in its aftermath. We're really just going to be moving over the course of this year to a policy that is closer to normal. But that's a long road to normal from where we are. And that was the line that really got Wall Street talking. But it's a long road to normal from where we are. So in essence, somewhat what he is saying there is, look, we are not going to do this overnight. We are not going to take all these actions overnight. We are going to take these actions as they come. We are going to take them slowly. We are going to take them responsibly. And this is going to be a longer road than what people expect. Then when asked specifically about the balance sheet runoff, this is where it got very interesting and bullish for the bulls because he went on to say, quote, so we haven't made any decisions at all when runoff would start. Those are exactly the decisions we will be turning to in coming meetings. So in essence, what he said there in reference to this balance sheet runoff fear is that, look, we haven't made any decisions surrounding this balance sheet runoff. And that is the point at which you saw the market starting to turn around. The market started then to bottom out and move to the upside on that news because at the end of the day, this balance sheet runoff fear goes away. We don't know anything about it anymore because he literally just said no decision has been made. So there's really not much fear there. Um, but at the same time, we still have those rumors behind us uh, that potentially we see this balance sheet runoff as soon as July, according to Goldman Sachs. So definitely some mixed views here. So we went from pretty darn bearish. We went from pretty darn um, convinced that we were going to see that balance sheet runoff to now being like, okay, now the Fed is almost walking back, um, perhaps when they are going to start this balance sheet runoff uh, and the timing of all that. So if they're walking this back, we're a bit blind on that front. Now we can just expect the rate hikes and potentially see a bit of rebound in the markets. And that seems to be a lot of the mindset of investors right now. It almost seems as if a lot of this fear is now being priced in, especially after really some comforting comments, it seems, out of Jerome Powell today. In essence, he pretty much remained neutral and he wasn't all too bearish and he wasn't all too bullish or he wasn't all too uh, hawkish as they would say. I shouldn't use bullish and bearish, but he wasn't too hawkish in this meeting. And really, he actually uh, somewhat, you know, said, look, this could be a longer road than what we expect, but at the same time, if inflation gets really bad, we will take further actions, but we're not too sure about this. So he's still maintaining a very neutral tone. He's definitely not wanting to spook the markets here, as you can tell. And really, he keeps putting in that caveat that, yeah, we're going to follow the plan, but if this happens, then we're not going to do it. Um, Specifically, he did add a few COVID-19 caveats and supply chain things in there as well. So that is all something to note when analyzing this commentary, but overall, the market seemed to take his commentary. It's very positive, um, and we definitely moved up throughout the day across the core indexes. Now, shifting into a federal judge here granting the FTC another shot at the antitrust case against Facebook. So as we know, the FTC has been attempting to go after Facebook for monopolization, antitrust, and really today what we got was the federal, uh, this, this judge basically saying that, look guys, we are not going to shut down this filing. We are going to let the FTC come back and amend its complaint and go at this thing again. And that was U.S. District Judge James Bosenberg, I believe is how you pronounce his name. If I got that wrong, definitely uh, at me on Twitter and say, look, Luke, you got this name wrong. But either way, 
this U.S. district judge in essence granted the FTC another shot at Facebook. Now, Facebook didn't see all too much of a reaction on this news, and it is important to note that the FTC also did indeed disregard um, Facebook's argument that the FTC's filing was already invalid because the FTC chair, Lena Khan, would not recuse herself. So that is all something to note there. But really, if you dumb this headline down to what it is, the FTC has another shot at going after Facebook on antitrust grounds. The stock not reacting all too much on that news today. Now, shifting into the biggest analyst calls of the day, I want to talk about Bernstein initiating coverage of General Electric is outperform. And this was one that actually took the market by storm this morning. You saw some outsized response to General Electric stock. Bernstein goes on to say, quote, we joined General Electric for the last stretch of the great unwinding. We are bullish on the stock and ahead of consensus on midterm operating margin expansion, particularly in the renewables and power segments. We view the spin as good news for investors. GE's component parts are easily scalable public companies and improved line of sight to financials and end markets will only benefit shareholders. Bernstein initiating coverage of General Electric as outperform. We also had KeyBank upgrading Take-Two Interactive to overweight from sector weight. They go on to say, quote, yesterday morning, Take-Two announced the proposed acquisition of Zynga, Z-N-G-A, in a cash and stock deal for $9.86 per share, a 64% premium to the last closing price. We believe the deal is a strong strategic fit, significantly improving Take-Two's position in mobile and likely accelerating the path for its high-quality IP to launch on mobile. Meanwhile, we had Moffat Nathanson downgrading Take-Two Interactive to neutral from buy. Moffat Nathanson went on to say, Take-Two has now gone headfirst into the deep end of mobile publishing. And so, right or wrong, it's undeniable that the Zynga deal represents a huge shift in Take-Two's story precisely at the time when we were supposed to start seeing evidence of the original thesis playing out. Moffat Nathanson not liking the shift of story, of timeline, of basically strategy in take two, and in essence here, downgrading the name to neutral from buy until they get more clarity on where the company is going. We also had Atlantic Equities downgrading Shopify, a club favorite, a fintwit favorite, you could say, to neutral from overweight. Atlantic Equities went on to say, quote, Shopify is a best-in-class e-commerce platform, and its share of websites has continued to increase rapidly. Given its core product leadership, we continue to expect the company's C, $180 billion gross margin value to outperform e-commerce peers both near and long term. However, ongoing share gains are already widely expected to persist and reflected in valuation. So, and that's what we have here is Atlantic Equity saying, look, the company is improving. We like their gross margin value. We like the improvement in the company and the fundamentals, but the stock, it's still just a bit pricey for us. And therefore we are downgrading it to neutral um, as it catches a bit of a rebound. So that is very interesting there. We also had KeyBank upgrading advanced micro devices to overweight from sector weight. KeyBank went on to say, quote, AMD is poised to benefit from robust high teens cloud data center growth in 2022 and should meaningfully 
outpaced industry growth given significant share gains. KeyBank bullish on advanced micro devices. We also had Piper Sandler reiterating Bank of America, a big time bank that everyone looks to, as a top 2022 pick. Now, Piper Sandler went on to say, quote, the primary pushbacks we have received from investors since naming Bank of America our top pick in the money center bank and broker dealer space for 2022 have revolved around three primary themes. One, valuation. Two, asset sensitivity being widely understood and priced in. And three, potential markets related revenue headwinds after a record year in 2021. So in essence, what we have going on here is Piper saying they're saying, look, Bank of America, it's still our top pick. We don't care what the bears are saying about our pick. We are liking Bank of America within that money center bank and broker dealer space for 2022. We also had Morgan Stanley reiterating Tesla as overweight. Morgan Stanley goes on to say, quote, Tesla fourth quarter deliveries were 20% above our forecast, annualizing to over 1.2 million units, which is already above our prior full year 2022 forecast. We raise our forecast and target to $1,300 on this opening act and look for more in full year 2022. Morgan Stanley liking what they're seeing at Tesla, liking those annualized uh, forecast for deliveries of 1.2 million units and liking it for the year, giving it a $1,300 price target. And then finally, we had Redburn initiating Rivian as a buy. The firm went on to say, quote, Rivian has not just electrified the pickup, it has redefined what one can be, making it software enabled and loaded with unique design features. Boy, oh boy, that sounded like a sales pitch for a Rivian truck. Either way, Redburn initiating Rivian as a buy. And those were the biggest analyst calls of the day. So shifting away from those, we're going to go right in to what in the world is going on with COVID-19 and the spread across the world and specifically the United States. So we have some unfortunate news here. And once again, we pray for everyone affected by COVID-19, and especially those who are struggling with it right now. But we have to note the data here. So as of Sunday, there were 144,441 Americans hospitalized with the virus. Now, It's important to note this hospitalization metric here because it's a new record and it has increased since Sunday to Tuesday. So the previous record was of January 14th, about a year ago at 142,315 hospitalized patients with COVID-19. We then hit 144,441 just this Sunday or last Sunday, you could say. And now as of Tuesday, it is predicted that number is at 147,000. So the hospitalizations continue to hit records here in the United States. Not a great metric. And the spread also continues to rise because the United States reported roughly, roughly, according to CNBC, 1.5 million new cases on Monday. So that's not even counting today. And the seven-day average per John Hopkins University actually jumped to 754,000 new cases per day. So COVID-19 is still well and alive, spreading rapidly and putting people in the hospital. And this is not great. We saw even more headlines out of airlines today of flight cancellations because of all the people calling out sick So definitely something to pay attention to here is COVID-19 still, and it's definitely still a risk to uh, basically factor in when it comes to the markets. Now, taking a look at CVS raising 
their full year 2021 forecast. So this was good news for CVS in the stock. We heard from management this morning at the JP Morgan Healthcare Conference. This was good news. We had a lot of good news come out of this conference from CVS, but CVS did say that they now expect their full year 2021 earnings to be within a range of $5.87 to $5.92 per share, and that's up from the previous range of $5.50 to $5.61 per share. So a very, very solid um, raise there for full year 2021. They expect to end the year well. They also said that they expect to earn $8.33 to $8.38 per share, which is up from the prior forecast of at least $8. So pretty much across the board here, raising their earnings outlook um, for 2021 and 2022. That's all great news. And also we got some insights in the sales here. So uh, management said at the JP Morgan Healthcare Conference this morning that a lot of those sales have actually been driven by strong participation by retail. He also noted that vaccination rates were much higher in November and December. So that's good on the COVID front and that sales of over-the-counter COVID test kits um, absolutely moved to the upside in December. So all good news coming out of CVS today. And then our final headline of the day is Citadel receiving an investment from Sequoia and Paradigm. So venture capital firm Sequoia Capital and of course the crypto focused investment firm Paradigm well, they decided to invest $1.15 billion in Citadel Securities, a popular market maker. Now, what in the world for a little flashback does Citadel do? Well, Citadel, in essence, offers clients uh, equity and fixed income products. They have over 1,600 clients globally, which is pretty darn impressive. They're huge. Um, and that includes central banks, government agencies, financial institutions, insurers, sovereign wealth funds, all of that. Citadel is pretty darn big, in essence. And we have Sequoia Capital here and a major crypto-focused investment firm, Paradigm, investing $1.15 billion in Citadel. Now, what could this mean? What could this possibly mean? Well, it's hinting at a potential entry of the crypto industry by Citadel. It hints that Citadel could offer maybe some crypto-related products. Well, we did hear from the Citadel Security CEO, Peng Zhao, um, and he said in a statement out of the company, or the firm, you could say, uh, quote, as technological innovation in financial markets becomes only more important, we see enormous opportunities to meet the needs of our clients across more markets and more products. So he's kind of hinting there at the end that more products may be possibly hinting at uh, some crypto-related products could be coming after this investment by Sequoia Capital and that crypto-focused firm, investment firm, Paradigm. Definitely something to note, a cool headline. Uh, somewhat for the crypto world here, another big money firm jumping in on it, possibly a possibly rumored entrance in the crypto. Who knows? We'll just have to wait and see, but definitely something to take note of. But that was the full Running With The Money briefing for today. Once again, go get my boys and my fellow team members over at Pound of the Table a listen on Spotify or anywhere you listen to podcast, including Apple Podcast. Also remember, please go give me and my team a follow at Running With The Money on Facebook and Instagram or at Luke Donay on Twitter. In the meantime, Eastly Profit, trade on, and I will see you tomorrow.